The House of Cards Season 3 premiere is over, but we're just getting started here on House of Cards Live on post-show recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are all duct-taped up. I'm Rob Sestino, and here's my House of Cards co-host, Mr. Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Hey, Rob. Uh, there's more of me on screen than there is Doug Stamper right now. Oh, my God. Zach, we are back. Doug is alive. Doug's back. We're back. It's a great year. We are back, and we are ready to go here on House of Cards Season 3. The long wait is over. It's been almost a year. A year uh, save maybe... Uh, almost, actually, you know, it's probably like a year to the date, because I think that last year's Season 2 dropped on Valentine's Day. So February 14th plus 13 equals roughly right about the time that this show is starting here uh, in a year from today. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's been a whole year. I, I'm not sure why they delayed it this year instead of releasing it on Valentine's Day or President's Day. You'd think a long weekend kind of fits better than the end of the month. but Yeah, President's yeah. Day would have been such a good uh, tie-in. And, and it, there was the false start when Netflix dropped all the episodes and then uh, did a oopsie and said that they did not mean it. They took it back. And so it was a little bit of a tease, but now here we are. And there's no coming back from this. And Zach and I are here. We have both only watched episode number one here of season three, correct? Yeah, that's all I've seen. Okay, do I need to swear you in on a stack of Bibles for your uh, becoming much like uh, Frank Underwood swear you in? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. I think we should do that. And then I'll, uh, I'll pound the table when I'm done. Okay, good. And so we are live here today. This is the only show that we're going to be doing here live for the start of season three. Uh, Zach and I are a little bit playing it by ear as far as how we're going to do our podcast coverage. Last year, we did 13 episodes in 13 days. I know it was hard for some people to keep up with that pace. Also, uh, not everybody had as much free time as we did to be able to go through and watch 13 episodes in 13 days. So we're going to be slowing down the pace a little bit, but we're always going to do our podcast before seeing the next episode. And we'll keep you guys posted on the shows exactly how that's going to go. So Episode number one is coming today, which is Saturday the 28th. We're going to have episode number two, uh, audio version uh, of the podcast. Uh, the audio shows are going to be how we're going to approach the rest of this. And then I'm sure we'll do something at the end of the season uh, after we get through season three and do another live show and be more interactive. But we're going to take your emails along the way. We want to hear from you guys as we go along. We want to keep interactivity part of this show because that's what we do. Uh, so I'm going to set up the email address House of Cards at Post Show Recaps. And what I want you to do is put the chapter title in the subject uh, for each one of your emails. And then we will go through and so say, for instance, uh, each episode is you know chapter 27, chapter 28, uh, yada, yada, yada. You get the idea. And so this was chapter 27 that we just watched uh, this past uh, weekend. Boom. Yeah. There you go. Chapter 27, down the tube. Chapter 27 is down the tubes, and uh, we are ready to go. Of course, we're live today, so we want to hear from you guys. We've got people watching in the chat room. Also, Scott St. Pierre is following your tweets, hashtag PS Recaps, and then also on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com uh, slash, uh, I'm sorry, uh, com slash YouTube. All right, and hopefully our approval numbers are going to be better than Frank Underwood's. Yeah, it, that would be, uh, it'll be lovely. That would be very good. All right. So, uh, Zach, let, let's pick things up. Of course, uh, it's our season episode premiere 
uh, was not as shocking, not as polarizing as, of course, the season two premiere uh, where we lost Zoe Barnes. But uh, an interesting way to get into season three. And of course, I guess our top story at this hour, Doug Stamper is alive. Hey, Doug, welcome back. Welcome back. I thought he was a long road to recovery. I mean, we were pretty convinced he was dead, right? Yeah, and I actually went and watched the season two finale. I kind of skipped around and watched a couple scenes in there. And when they show him, he gets attacked at night. They show him the next morning. His eyes are open and he's not moving. He's not breathing. I don't know. They they really sold us that he was dead. Do you think this was something when they went back to season three was sort of like they wanted sort of a do over on that? It's like, oh, I wish we didn't kill Doug. Uh, let's make it that he is actually alive. I don't know. I think that they wanted people to to think he was good. They think he was dead. But I think this was the plan the whole time. They seem like they know what they're doing and, and they have things kind of spelled out where they're going. And especially this episode, you can really see where they're going for the rest of this season. So they, they seem to know where they're doing. Now, Zach, that being said, uh, one, we were not expecting Doug to be alive, but I was really not expecting so much to get an episode, which I'd say was probably about 60, 70 percent Doug POV. Yeah, I was actually expecting Doug was going to be killed at the end of this episode or something. I, I thought it, they were really focused on him and, and something was going to happen at the end. You know, when he went out at the end of the episode, I thought maybe he was going to get mugged or killed or something. Yeah. Um, or I don't know. Something was going to happen to him, I thought. You got to feel like things are not going in the right direction for Doug. Like uh, if Doug is not going to uh, die in the next episode, you would think that Doug is uh, not long for this world. Like give me the percentage chance that Doug makes it to season four of House of Cards. Oh, I think I think no chance. I don't think Frank has any use for Doug. And I'm sure we'll dive into that later. But uh, if Frank doesn't have any use for you, then, you know, you don't have much use in this world. Well, I'm very interested to know what is the end game for Frank and Claire with Doug? I mean, they're being very, very nice. And I feel like uh, that uh, Kevin Spacey as Frank Underwood is very transparent. Like when he's like lying to people, like he uses like one sort of voice and one cadence is like, oh, Doug, oh, I'm so, I just want you to get better. I just hope that everything is working out OK. Like you take your time, you get your rest. Uh, by the way, did you hear anything about the girl? Okay, you let me know. Okay, I'll get back to you right away. Uh, it's like he puts on like this whole like fake persona, but then when he's being real. So what is his end game? Does he want uh, just to find out what's going on with Rachel? And then once they get that under under wraps, then they're going to kill Doug. I, I mean, I think I think that could be it. I think they just want to kind of keep Doug under their thumb. I could see them giving Doug some lowly position, maybe within the staff uh, just to keep him quiet. But most likely, you know, the result is that they're going to try to kill him. Now, could Doug end up becoming the loose end that leads to Frank's downfall? That would that would be fitting because something has to happen that's going to lead to Frank's downfall. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. Now, Doug is really just way off the deep end. Even, you know, he keeps saying like, oh, I'm back. I really he just wants to get back in the mix of things. But by the end of this episode, when he's hiring the prostitute and he's taking the pills and then he's filling the syringe with bourbon and then uh, wanting the, the prostitute to shoot the syringe of bourbon uh, into his mouth. Uh, what is going on there, Zach? Uh, you, you have a, a much more uh, wild and active social life than I do. Is this a thing? I am a fan of the bourbon, uh, but not via syringe. I've never tried that before. I might have to do that when we get off this uh, this Google Hangout. 
What's the point of the, you know, hypodermic needle uh, of bourbon? My thought was that it's very, you know, he's he doesn't want to drink a lot because he's a recovering alcoholic, but he just wants a little bit. Uh, and so he wanted it to be a very small and measured amount. Hmm. That was my thought. So it's like, hey, uh, let me just get 30 cc's of bourbon in me and then I'll be good. Just a taste. Exactly. Just a, just a taste. Um, but I thought he was going to inject himself with it. I know he was giving himself the shot in the leg. I mean, is is there some symbolism here? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess maybe that it's his medicine. Uh, I didn't know what he was going to do with it either. I was a little disappointed that all it was when she sprayed it in his mouth. I thought he was going to stab her with it and see what the effects of bourbon in the bloodstream is before he <laughs> tested it on himself. Or uh, I had a lot more kind of uh, mischievous thoughts on what he could have done with that bourbon than just drink it out of a syringe. Yeah. Boy, Doug, really, uh, he has some very interesting uh, vices. We know, of course, he uh, likes the prostitutes. He likes the he likes the liquor. He's got the pills going now. Yeah, and he's a real MacGyver, too. Yeah. I mean, the syringe with the bourbon, the the wooden spoon cast that he made. Yeah, but I was not expecting as much uh, Doug Stamper nudity here uh, in episode one. We almost saw 100% Doug. <laughs> Wow, the full, the full stamper. Yeah, it was like Tom Hanks in uh, in Forrest Gump. The amount of Doug that we saw. Yeah, but I didn't even think we were going to see Doug alive, let alone uh, naked Doug. Uh, so this was uh, much more Doug uh, than I would have expected. So, are you sympathetic towards Doug in his return to action here in season three, or? Like when you watch the show, do you are you rooting for Frank Underwood and you're like, oh, Doug's going to screw this up? Or are you rooting for Doug to sort of get back on the straight and narrow? No, I, I mean, I'm rooting for Frank and uh, Doug is just a pawn in Frank's game. And I think, you know, I, I, I feel sort of bad for Doug because he's going off the deep end. He's a little bit crazy, but uh, he had options. He had outs and he, you know, his brother was there to help him and and he didn't take that. He didn't he didn't want his brother's support. And so. Um, I mean, he, he's going a little crazy, but he's bringing it on himself, I think. Zach, did you think that they intentionally cast uh, a woman to do the physical therapy that sort of looked Rachel-esque? Oh, most definitely. I wrote that down in my notes, too. I said, and I was kind of expecting she'd be doing physical therapy. And then all of a sudden he would see Rachel in front of him, like he would hallucinate that she was Rachel. But uh, she looked, you know, she was almost spitting image of Rachel, I thought. Yes. Well, luckily, he didn't ask her to read to him. <laughs> yeah that's true tale of two cities <laughs> yes uh he didn't even have the prostitute read to him no he just uh just shoot the syringe that's all i want yeah i want to shoot the syringe i have to say the prostitute seemed very nice yeah she was uh lovely she seemed like very like a very nice uh woman of the night so uh we only want the best for her yeah there are some very classy prostitutes in dc apparently apparently Okay, uh, let's shift the focus back to Frank Underwood and pick up uh, where where things are. Of course, the episode starts with a very odd sequence of Frank Underwood going to visit his dad's uh, grave and then the reveal that he has urinated on his dad's uh, grave. Um, Don't you think that was a a very ballsy thing for Frank Underwood to do? Yeah, I thought like I know that they said the press could, you know, needs to stay away so he could have his his uh, privacy honoring his father. But somebody could have taken a picture, you know, somebody's going to take a cell phone picture or an Instagram or something of like, hey, the president's pissing on this grave. 
And not even that. Like, like, let's say, okay, that Seth has, okay, everybody, you know, cameras away. But after they walk away, like, don't you think some reporter is going to write a story of like, oh, here's the grave of the president's father, this shabby grave. And here you see the, the flowers that the president put on it. And like, hey, what's this big wet spot on the grave of the president's dad? <laughs> Is that is that what I think it is? I mean, did he pour one out for his homie uh, on top of the grave? And so then, like, doesn't that becomes a big news story? I mean, it's the South. It's warm down there. I guess it's just going to dry pretty quickly. I don't know. I don't know how humidity and drying works. I mean, if this was Obama and Obama goes to visit, you know, uh, his his dad, you know, his dad's uh, uh, tombstone. Uh, and again, forgive me for not knowing exactly uh, the lineage of uh, Barack Obama's dad. Uh, and uh, I'm assuming uh, that he's passed away, right? Uh, I am not I sure. I only hear about his mom. Um, but that that being said, um, I do feel like that some photographer is going to take a picture of the tombstone after. Yeah, and it might smell like piss over there too. <laughs> yeah, especially it's hot out. Uh, it yeah. just seems like that's a, a very uh, crazy thing for Frank Underwood to be doing. Yeah, Frank is a lot more open about how kind of balls he is, ballsy he is with his power now. I noticed that a couple times throughout the episode. He's he's more drunk with power than he was when we last saw him. Okay. Well, I thought the show did this very well, where we got to see a little bit of a snapshot of how the Underwood administration is going as uh, Frank Underwood was a guest of Stephen Colbert on the Colbert Report. Uh, don't you think that uh, Stephen Colbert was a bit of a dick to uh, President Underwood? Yeah, he was He was really drilling him. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I really liked it. Yes. Uh, I, I have the confirmed in the chat room. Uh, both President Obama's parents are, in fact, deceased. So uh, very sorry. Very sorry, sorry. to hear that for uh, Mr. President. But uh, I should hope that he would never do something like this. Yeah, I, I agree. Don't, don't do that. It's 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 just it's too out there don't too in that. the open. Don't do that. President Obama. Uh, that being said, uh, don't you think Stephen Colbert was uh, even for Stephen Colbert? Uh, like I felt like they sort of like took Stephen Colbert and turned him into like a much more hard hitting guy than Stephen Colbert actually is. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch Colbert that much, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him, at least on the TV show, be that that hard hitting. It did remind me of the, uh, the press dinner that Stephen Colbert hosted maybe 10 years ago um, when it was George W. Bush and he was just drilling George W. Bush. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like it, it started off as being a, uh, a good Colbert moment with uh, Frank Underwood, but I thought that once he like was really like pressing president Underwood about the details of his plan, I feel like uh, I can't imagine Colbert doing that with Obama. No, I, I can't see him ever actually doing that. And I'm sure Colbert was thrilled to get to play almost a, a caricature of his caricature that he plays on TV. Yeah. Now, are you surprised to hear that things have gone as bad for President Underwood as they are in this episode? What's his approval down to? 18%? I thought it was in the 20s. In the 20s? Yeah, it, it might be. It might be in the teens. Uh, you know, Frank... Frank was ready for this. I mean, Frank worked to get to this point, but I never felt like Frank was like a a master of policy. He was master of of politics, but you know, I, I never thought that Frank really knew the concrete what you need to know for the job. He just knew how to get there. Yeah. So I'm not that surprised. Okay. Um, of the recent presidents, um, 
Uh, I'm just like looking at overall lowest approval rating for as, you know, as beleaguered as President Obama has been at times during his administration. His lowest approval rating uh, is 39 percent. That was at an, <laughs> the all time low for Obama. So here's uh, Frank Underwood, almost 20 points worse than, uh, at, you know, as many people have, that have uh, expressed some dissatisfaction with the current president, uh, George W. Bush, he got down to 19%. So I guess that maybe in the worst of days for George W. Bush, that's where Frank Underwood is at this point. And what about like Bill Clinton during the impeachment stuff? Bill Clinton, be pretty low. No, Bill Clinton, uh, from what, from what I read, uh, recently, I actually, uh, listened to the audio book, uh, the, uh, uh, they wear the black hat, uh, the Chuck Klosterman book. And I think actually, uh, President Clinton's approval ratings went up uh, during the impeachment hearings because I think people felt like they were picking on him. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure exactly at what point that was in the Bush presidency that he got to 19. I think that's the lowest that it has gotten. Uh, I think uh, right around the time he left office uh, is when uh, Bush had his his lowest uh, his lowest ratings around 2007, uh, 2008. So there you have it. So that so that's about where Frank Underwood is, except he never had the the highs that Bush had. Uh, Bush had up to ninety two percent in the days following nine eleven. Yeah, but Frank has a lot of time to move that score right back up. He's got what eighteen months left in the White House. Yeah. So if you're a president, if you come on, is it better to start with the low approval rating and then work your way up? Like uh, you know, Clinton had sort of low approval numbers uh, er, in the early years, and then they sort of went went up uh, like. As time went on. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you definitely want to start low and go up. If you if you start with high expectations, all you're going to do is not meet those and disappoint people. So by the end of the season, do you think we're seeing the story of Frank Underwood starting to, you know, rise from the ashes a bit? That's what I was trying to figure out is where they're going with this, because they dropped a lot of stuff about reelection in the 2016 election. Uh, are we going to get there during this season? Or are they just kind of planting the seeds for season four? Um, how many seasons are we did did we ever get word on how many seasons there's going to be if and, and if you don't know zach i'm sure johnny de silvera in the chat is going to be able to tell us i want to say that they're doing one more but i might be wrong with that yeah one um, one more season um so it feels like i'm not sure if we're going to get to see a frank underwood 2016 campaign interestingly we had a bit of a time jump uh in between season three and season four uh, I believe that season three ended around June of 2014, right? Yeah, but they, I mean, I guess I, I can't really remember when that ended. I, I feel like it wasn't summer, though, because they were, it looked like it was fall when they were up at Camp David and, and um, some of the other scenes that were outside looked like fall to me. Okay, so did we actually went ahead in time uh, in 2000. Actually, yeah, because we went to the baseball game in 2000. So maybe we got ahead of the the time in 2014. And then I'm not, I know it was Christmas uh, that when Doug was in rehab, but then I would imagine a couple of weeks went by. So I feel like it's, um, are, are we up to current time in house of cards season three where it started? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I'm just remembering now at the end of the last season, it was Frank's birthday again. So the last season covered an entire year. Okay. So this um, season will cover a year. Yeah, I would, I would assume this season will cover another year. And I know, when they were talking with Stamper in the in the hospital, they said it was December 2014, and he was still recovering at that point. So I think we're we're in kind of early spring. I'm, I'm 
I'm I'm surprised we didn't get a State of the Union from Frank. Mm. And maybe we're getting that soon, but... Yeah, I think that might be coming up. I think that might be uh, where we're headed. And so if we start here in the early 2015 and then we take it through to early 2016, uh, we will know a bit more about what's going on with the re-election campaign of uh, Frank Underwood. And so the other big storyline that's going on here is that Claire Underwood wants to be ambassador uh, to the UN and nobody seems to think this is a good idea except for Claire Underwood. Yeah, I think Claire has stood on the sidelines long enough with Frank and, and, and they kind of want to set up a succession plan. You know, if Frank doesn't get reelected or even after Frank is reelected, you know, after Frank is president for the second time, they want to continue to stay in power uh, in, in America. So um, I think I think Claire is, is being strategic. She has a long term plan and needs to start getting some experience and to get some stuff on that resume. Yeah. Shades of, I guess, the Bill and Hillary Clinton plan where uh, Hillary Clinton started to run uh, for the Senate in New York uh, and then ultimately became became a senator and then on her way to a, a potential presidential bid uh, in 2008. And then who knows uh, what's coming up here for the future in, in the real 2016 election. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's definitely a lot of parallels. You got a, a Southern congressman um, or a Southern politician who becomes president. Uh, Clinton did it a lot differently. Yeah. Uh, but but Frank is Frank is different in that way. But there's definitely parallels. And I think that's intentional. Now, do you think it's a good idea for Claire Underwood to become the uh, ambassador to the UN? Because I feel like it, it, that I'm with Kathy. I'm with Frank. I'm with just about everybody else. I think this is a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, the the uh, world of international policy in House of Cards seems really complicated and really volatile. So that seems like a pretty big job. And I, I mean, she failed at running a nonprofit. I just don't know if she's qualified to run the U.N. or, or be ambassador of the U.N. Yeah, I feel like Claire Underwood isn't as smart as she thinks she is. Yeah, I just think she needs to be in the right role. And um, I do think we're going to end up seeing her in the U.N. I, I think. That's definitely going to be part of the season, but I think she's going to struggle there. Yeah, I feel like she struggles with, you know, I think she feels like she's as good at the game as Frank Underwood is. And I feel like, you know, she sort of try, ends up like trying to bulldoze people and it ends up uh, backfiring often. Like when her initial approach doesn't work, then she like really like tries to force her hand. And then, you know, in in, in inevitably, uh, we leads that leads to a lot of problems for Claire Underwood. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely see her being strategic and, and working on some stuff behind the scenes. Um, but I think you know, like Frank, I just don't know how qualified she's going to be for the job. And um, and if she's not qualified, is she gonna is she gonna really fail? And and we saw there's a lot of international diplomatic problems going on with uh, the Middle East and Russia in this episode. And we in the last season we had problems with China, so. Um, we need, you know, good international relations. And is she going to be able to do that? Well, let's talk about the international relations uh, going on. And Frank Underwood was presented with the opportunity to, I guess, take out some sort of a, uh, a you know, a terrorist uh, type person. Uh, do you have any of the specifics on this or do they keep it intentionally vague? Uh, they kept it pretty vague. I think the terrorist was in Yemen, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and it was going to affect, uh, the Palestine and Israel, uh, relations and, Ru and the Russian prime minister, I think is coming to the U S who's 
not necessarily going to be happy about the choices they made in this episode. Yeah. And so Frank Underwood was presented with the opportunity to uh, do this airstrike and, you know, very Homeland, very 24. Uh, and uh, there was going to be civilian casualties if he did that. Uh, they ultimately had like one last chance to get him. There was like three vehicles and they ended up uh, blowing them all up. And it seemed like Frank Underwood wanted Claire to come with him. He's like, uh, watch, you think you got the stomach for this sort of thing? And he made her come out and watch what was going on. And then she came back home and said, I still want to do it. Yeah, that was I'm not sure exactly what he was getting at with taking her, I guess, just showing her how ruthless she's going to have to be if she's in that role. Yeah. And and Uh, bad job on Frank Underwood to think that Claire Underwood is going to give give a rat's ass about any of that stuff. Well, and it's so interesting, too, when they show it and he, you know, they're like, you have to make the call. Are you going to send the drones? And he sends it and there's no sound or anything. You just see the screen kind of get white and it's just you're so disconnected from it in that. Uh, what is, is that the situation room? Is that what room that is? Uh, with Wolf Blitzer. No, but isn't there also a real situation room or is that that room has a name? I just couldn't remember what it was. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, what that is, but we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Call it the situation room. And Frank's jacket. Did you like Frank's jacket? Because I thought that was awesome. Yeah, looks good. Looks good in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah. I, I like Kathy also. Yeah, she's good. Uh, former uh, veteran of 24. She was on a couple of seasons of 24. Yeah. She's like a CTU uh, person. Like uh, she ran yeah. CTUs. Like, to, yeah, like tell she, Jack, you're off. You're off duty. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're maybe we're looking at a crossover here with 24. You know, Jack Bauer is the one who goes to get this terrorist in Yemen. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe Jack Bauer will be the person that brings down Frank Underwood. Oh, man, <laughs> that would be intense. <laughs> um, were you pumped up to see Remy such a big part of the Underwood administration? Yeah. So is Remy the new Doug Stamper? Is he did he took the Doug Stamper role? I think so. I think he might have. Because I, I, I'm confused kind of the difference between what Remy does and what Seth Grayson does. Is Grayson just more kind of the the outward voice, the PR guy for the president? Yeah, yeah I think he's the press secretary at this point. You That's know, it. we saw okay. him like holding the uh, doing the press conference uh, with everybody. And of course, we saw the return of our fa- our favorite uh, investigative reporter. Yeah, uh, we saw Gavin. Yeah, well, uh, oh no! In addition, Not in addition Gavin, to yeah. Gavin, uh, what's her name? Uh, Alia, I think. Uh, yes, yes. She uh, she's always uh, trying to stir up trouble with Amworks. Yeah, great name, Amworks. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> do you like the Do you like the name uh, America Works? I mean, it, it tells you what we're going for. We're going for America working. Uh, but it's it's what is it? Cutting all the entitlements. Yeah. Um, do you? I mean, do you think that that is going to work out as a good plan for uh, Frank Underwood? I mean, I, I can't see that working and I'm, I'm curious how he's going to get that to happen. And he wants it his way, too. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to compromise. He doesn't want anybody else's visions. He wants it his way. Yeah. Um, do you think that sticking to his guns on this will ultimately end up serving him? Or do you think that this will be part of his downfall that he's unwilling to work with anybody? Well, I'm curious if he really is going to stick with his guns or if he just wants to, you know, kind of like we talked about with the approval rating, set the bar really high with what he wants. And then he can kind of make compromises to get it passed through. No, but I don't think he wants to make compromises. Uh, You know, uh, he fired, he fired the guy from, from, he said like, I'm not interested in, you know, your version of of my vision like i want what i want 
he's going to have to make compromises. The way it is, it's not going to get passed through with all of with his approval rating as low as it is, and all the opponents he has. I just don't see that working. Zach, uh, I want to know from you where is my Jackie Sharp? I wondered that too. I because I when we left them, were her and Remy still together at the end of the last season? I think they were. I'm not right? sure, and I'm on IMDb, and I'm not seeing her listed in the cast. Is Jackie Sharp out of the show? I hope not. She was a great character and a really good addition. Yeah. Um, and if she's out, I mean, we need somebody to replace her. Yeah, Scott St. Pierre, let me know uh, what J- if Jackie Sharp is working on in her uh, IMDb, and so maybe she's on another show right now. Maybe she's just, you know, we can't have her. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't look at the IMDb for the whole season. No, just I'm just looking at the first episode. Uh, I know she and I know she wasn't in it, but I feel like, you know, we introduced, uh, you know, or reintroduced a lot of people, even though they didn't have a ton to do. And I feel like that if she's a principal character of the show, like she was in season two, it feels weird that she's not here. Yeah. And, and there was a lot, you know, with her and Remy and, and her working with Frank to to help him get the presidency. I'd be surprised if we don't see okay. any more of her. But all right. The chat room is letting us know she's still listed on season three. Yes. Okay, okay good. All right, good. Jackie good. Sharp will still be, well, hopefully will still be part of this season three of House of Cards. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, people say she's, she'll, she's coming back. She's coming back. Good. Um, yeah. And I did notice that the actor, Michael Kelly, who plays Doug Stamper, I don't think he was listed in the opening credits for this episode. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess that was to keep it a surprise that he was still alive, but I wonder if he'll be in the opening credits for the next couple coming up. Yeah. Uh, Zach, how surprised were you to see Donald Blythe as the vice president under the Frank Underwood administration? I am excited for Donald Blythe. I think he seems like a really interesting character that we've gotten bits of throughout House of Cards, and we're going to get a lot more of him this season. And uh, he kind of reminds me of Joe Biden a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Why did Frank end up picking him just because he's a pushover? Yeah. And I think because he's going to be a thorn in Frank's side one way or the other. So I guess if you butter him up a little bit and give him a good position, you'll be able to work with him. And, And we saw you know, Donald doing a little bit of manipulation on the Supreme Court justice to to get him to stay on longer. Yeah. Um, and after and after he, he said to Frank, you know, I better get funding for my research, I think is what he he had asked about. So was Donald just like straight out lying through his teeth to the guy for to the court justice to basically he should step a step away? Like did Donald's wife really not regret spending the last couple of years <laughs> of you know, having sort of clear thinking with her family. Yeah, I would imagine that that was not true. Um, wow, that's and, really messed and, up. And, you know, Frank's Frank's really got him him wrapped around his finger. I felt bad for the Supreme Court justice. You're just watching him, and you know he's going to end up staying on, and and that's not the right decision. Yeah. What about Claire Underwood for uh, Supreme Court justice? Would would that be a better way for her to go? I don't know if that would fly. If if UN ambassador doesn't fly, that might not. (laughs) No, that would be ballsy. Nobody's ever attempted that. Yeah. I mean, I I think Supreme Court justices are usually a little bit older than her, though. Believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how badly do you think this UN ambassador thing is going to backfire? I mean, do you think it ends up being one of the like Frank Underwood is right or Claire Underwood steps in and actually does a good job? Oh, no, I, I can't see her doing a good job. Um, it's just like not not anything against Claire Underwood necessarily. But I think from a storyline perspective, we need to see her fail and and have that be something that that we're going to recover from. Yeah, I do feel like they need to sort of like get her more into like the politics part of the show, because I feel like 
There's not like a ton of marital issues. Like, of course, we all hated in season one, or I should say most of us hated in season one, the whole affair storyline she had with the photographer. But then she had better stuff to do in season two uh, between, you know, all the stuff with the, uh, you know, the sexual assault case and stuff like that. Uh, that was a little more on the periphery of what's going on in the actual you know, in the Congress and then dealing with the first lady and stuff like that. Uh, but I feel like if we could get her more into the politics part of the show, I feel like that would be a, a much better use of Claire Underwood. Yeah, I agree. And, and giving her that UN position, it's going to tie back in with all of this. I mean, we're definitely going to have some international problems with Russia and with the Middle East in this show this season. So um, getting her tied in with that kind of kind of ties a lot of the storylines together. So I'm excited for that. We have another new character that we want to uh, bring up here. Uh, Mr. Hector Mendoza, who is the front runner for the Republican uh, Republican 2016 card. And I think that uh, for uh, I think the real life uh, Republicans uh, wish they had a real life Hector Mendoza. Yeah, the Mendoza line. Yes. Um, I thought <laughs> I, 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 he was actually in season two and I believe in season one as well. Um, he's the majority leader of the Senate, I believe, yes. uh, with the Republicans and heir apparent for the Republican nomination. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, that's definitely who's going to be going up against Frank for this reelection storyline when we finally get to it. Um, and he seems he seems like a good character. We'll get more of him this season, which is exciting. Yes. Is Hector Mendoza to uh, House of Cards as Jimmy Smith's was to the West Wing? I am not well versed in the West Wing, but sure. <laughs> OK, let's go with that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that he will be a bad guy? Because uh, he seems like he's a good guy. I hope that he is somebody who can kind of stand up against Frank. In the last season, my big problem with it was just like, you know, you knew Frank was going to get to the top and it just seemed like through everything you went through, it was still seemed pretty easy. So I hope that Mendoza is a good opponent for Frank um, in, in kind of the way Tusk was. But for example, President Walker last season was a total pushover and just got totally manipulated by Frank. Yeah. All right. Um, Scott, let me know if we've got some questions uh, ready to go here with uh, talking about everything happening from House of Cards season number three, episode one. Of course, you can uh, send us your questions, uh, hashtag PS recaps or on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. Of course, you can also subscribe to our dedicated feed of House of Cards podcasts at postshowrecaps.com slash HOC iTunes or all of our House of Cards recaps will be in our main feed at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. All right. Uh, anything else from the main episode of that we're talking about today that you want to hit on, Zach? So we saw Claire and Frank are sleeping in different bedrooms uh, and she said she's sick. Uh, yeah. I'm curious if that's a temporary thing or if they've been in separate bedrooms for a while now and and they just kind of refer to it as her still being sick. That's interesting. That's a, a very interesting subplot. Um, yeah. What do you think's going on there? I mean, I, I don't think she's really sick. She didn't seem sick. She wasn't sneezing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think, you know, we're supposed to get the sense that their their love life and their love life has never been very strong, but they're their kind of relationship is a little bit rocky right now, especially with everything going on with the UN ambassadorship. Yeah. Um, that seems to be a real, real sticking point for them. Yeah. I would like to touch on just how blunt she was uh, with Frank, when he's like, uh, Claire, I don't know if this is a good idea. And she's like, listen, Frank, like uh, I'm almost 50. You're like, like uh, you're probably not going to win. And I, I need to, you know, make something for myself. 
Yeah, I mean, I think she's been dealing with Frank's kind of BS talking around in circles for so long. Uh, and she just wants to get right to the point. And she wants to start moving on some of this stuff. They've gotten Frank into the White House. He's the president now. So, you know, what's the next move for them? They can't just sit pat. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, let's take some questions here. Uh, a couple of questions here on the live show. Let's start with Keith Dixon, who says, if you could take a shot of something by syringe, what would it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I think it would still be bourbon. I, bourbon or scotch or uh, rye whiskey. Any of the brown water sounds good to me. Any of the brown water. Um, I would say if I could take something uh, by syringe, I think it would be... Uh, how about coffee? Uh, I'm coffee syringe. Just keep it ready to go. Like, oh man, I'm getting faded. I'm getting tired. Uh, let me get like uh, you know, forty cc's of Starbucks in me. Boom, I'm ready to go. Wait, <laughs> I just wake up in the morning. Hit me. Now, would you actually inject the coffee, or would you would you have somebody squirt it into your mouth? Boy, um, I think I'd. Ra- I don't know if I would rather. Can I do I have the option to squirt it into my own mouth? I feel like that there's way more chance of accidents. I mean, I saw in the amazing race last night, people trying to feed each other uh, noodles with chopsticks and that could be messy. Uh, You know, people putting, uh, you know, hypodermic needles in my mouth. uh, I feel like just gives me, you know, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong there. I feel like there's much (laughs) less chance of error if I'm doing it myself. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I, I, uh, I don't know why he had to have the hooker do that and i loved her reaction when he pulls out the syringe i thought that reaction was fantastic yeah she's like oh no 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 no, she freaked out it was was hilarious like don't worry don't worry i'm just i just want you to shoot it uh in my mouth it's like oh boy uh that that could go in a thing things you hear and a yada 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 all right uh let's go to uh brendan fitzpatrick uh zach could you take this one I can't. Let's see. Let me, I got to click it on mine. Oh, no, don't worry then. Uh, can we get a refresher on season two? Uh, Seth Grayson, press secretary. I remember not liking him very much last season, but for some reason, he doesn't bother me as much in the first episode. It did seem like in season two, he was up to something. Uh, but maybe just being the press secretary was what he was up to. Well, I think in season two, he was uh, sent there by Tusk and he was supposed to be infiltrating Frank. Uh, and then he realized it was in his best interest to be in an alliance with Frank and switched away from being with Tusk. But um, he was kind of shady in season two. But now we're just kind of seeing him, you know, give talking points and, and deal with reporters. Yeah. Um, you may, you brought up the return of Gavin uh, tonight uh, in the episode. Uh, where do you think we're going with Gavin? You know, he, so he works for the FBI now and he's looking for Rachel with Stamper. Um and he, his actor, the actor who played him, is listed as one of the main characters in the opening credits now. So I think we're going to get a lot more Gavin, uh, you know, whether it's cyber terrorism or hacking or or kind of the dark Internet, which last year when we talked about the dark Internet, we kind of made fun of it. Uh, I feel like since then, it's like, oh, no, that's an actual thing. I've, I've heard about it in the news. Yeah. CSI cyber. I got my face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, this show, by the way, this podcast is huge on the dark Internet. Yeah, we, that's where we get most of our comments from, dark internet. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, here's a question from uh, Mike Bloom, who says, uh, the past two seasons had episodes focusing on Frank's past and his connection to his hometown. Now that he's the president, should the writers dedicate some time to focusing on some Gaffney-based issues? Um, I never really loved the episodes where Frank went back to his hometown. Zach, are you hoping for more Gaffney talk? 
No, I mean, we got it a little bit in the first episode. And even Frank said that no president has ever visited Gaffney, which I found kind of surprising if that was actually the case. Um, maybe we'll get more dealing with Frank's father. Hmm. Um, one, one thing that I noticed is before I watch this episode, the House of Cards Facebook and Twitter feeds, they're posting like not spoilers, but kind of teasing things. And they posted the picture of uh, Frank's father's grave. I think it's Calvin is his name. And they posted that picture, so it's obviously important. And maybe, maybe there's going to be more to it. The urine-soaked picture. I don't. I didn't notice if it was soaked with urine, but I also like when I would see anything posted about House of Cards, I'd scroll past it pretty quick because I didn't want to, you know, see Zoe Barnes in front of a train or something like that. Yes. Uh, will Frank Underwood go and urinate on Zoe Barnes's grave this season? <laughs> I don't think he'll be visiting Zoe Barnes's <laughs> grave at all. Yes. All right. It's probably best to stay away from stay that. Stay away from that. Okay. Uh, oh, Johnny DeSilvera. Here he is. First comment of the season from JDS, our resident House of Cards <laughs> fact checker. Uh, Johnny wants to say, are we sure that there's no advisor on the show that once worked for the Clintons? Hashtag too similar. Well, I mean, there are many, many similarities to uh, the Clintons on the House of Cards uh, between the fact that they are... Uh, Frank Underwood and Bill Clinton are both Democrats. They're both from the South. They both have uh, a strong-willed wife. Uh, they both have interesting uh, sexual urges uh, that they could <laughs> potentially compromise the integrity of the office in which they sit. Yeah. I mean, if if we see anything with an intern, uh, any storyline going that way, maybe we'd, we'd feel like it's even more connected, but... Um, I don't know what kind of advisories they have in terms of people who've actually worked in the White House. I, I mean, it's it, it seems like it's such a dramatic version of the White House. I can't imagine that, you know, it's like this at all. It's probably yeah. way more boring. Yeah, I mean, but the Clintons, you know, have their share of, uh, you know, scandals that have been associated with them between, you know, Whitewater and all and uh, all, all these other things. And, you know, the Underwoods are no strangers to controversy either. No, and, and we'll get more, you know, we're going to get more controversy with the Underwoods. There's going to be I think Frank is going to have a lot of obstacles. He's going to have to hurdle this season. Okay. Uh, let's take another question. This is from uh, Stephen uh, Beg Yes, who says, I personally don't see why Doug came back. The way last season ended, we assumed that he was missing for days and weeks. So it doesn't bother me so much that he's back, but spending almost the entire episode centering on him kind of bothers me. Um, I have to say, I, I can't disagree with that majorly. Like I was a little disappointed that, uh, I was excited. Okay, oh, Doug's back. Okay, cool. But on the first episode, it's like I really just wanted to get back into like, oh, Frank Underwood is president. I can't wait. We waited a year to see what's going on with Frank. And I almost felt like that we spent too much time servicing the Doug story here in this episode and not as much time. And again, by it, it evened out by the second half hour of the episode that we got to spend more time with Frank. But in the first episode, I'm like, Boy, I feel like I'm I'm almost seeing things from Doug's perspective in that, you know, I feel out of the loop, much like Doug must be feeling because I'm cut off from where I want to be, which is hanging out with Frank Underwood, hearing his, you know, breaking the fourth wall commentary about what he's thinking. And I'm just sort of like watching Frank Underwood. I'm getting him on Colbert instead of being in the room with him, much like how Doug must have felt. Yeah, I mean, they definitely kind of delayed gratification of seeing Frank Underwood as president besides that cold open. Um, but I, I don't know. I liked it. I liked that they used that as the passage of time. They used his recovery and showing the flowers dying and uh, and kind of 
clueing you into how long it's but you been that Doug. Frank's been president. I, I'm a fan of Doug. I, one of my good friends, everybody always tells him he looks like Doug Stamper and he hates it. So I'm glad to see Doug Stamper back on the show so that he'll continue to get that comment. It's not uh, a for great look, Doug Stamper. <laughs> Don't let him hear that. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a great uh, look. Yeah. yeah. I did notice that that his brother Gary uh, also has a similar kind of hairline as Doug Stamper. So hmm. uh, not the best hair genes in that family. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do a couple more questions here. Uh, Mike Bloom says, uh, am I the only one who thinks that Doug should have stayed dead? The storyline with him and Rachel, the prostitute was by far the least favorite storyline. And I hate that uh, the chances that it can be brought up again. Also, uh, the character itself is uh, dot, dot, dot. So uh, I'm not sure if that's like a dot, dot, dot. Hmm. But that being <laughs> said, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, Mike is not alone in this thinking of, you know, boy, the Doug storyline was probably one of the most head scratching storylines that we saw. There were moments from season two where Doug really, you know, had a chance to shine, like when he went to China and stuff like that. But there was a lot of like, okay, Rachel, the prostitute, I want you to read to me. I'm going to drive to your house. I'm going to, you know, follow you around. Uh, and ultimately, when he got, you know, clocked over the head with the rock, that you said, okay, well, at least that's the end of this. But that being said, uh, it is not. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Doug and Rachel romance. So I hope that, you know, whatever happens there, that's resolved pretty quickly. Uh, but we're clearly supposed to think that Doug is going to be an important part of this uh, and he's going to be on the outside looking in. So, uh, you know, I said it earlier, could he end up being the one who causes the downfall of Frank working with the opponent? Um, he, I mean, he knows too much. And I think, you know, they wouldn't focus the entire premiere episode pretty much on Doug if he wasn't going to be really important going forward. So I think it'll be rewarding once we get there. So uh, Doug will die. You agree with this, right? I don't know. I mean, I would, I don't think he's going to, uh, I don't know. I can see it both ways. I'm going to say no, just for the sake of uh, argument. Okay. And that being said, uh, I think he will die. I think the question is going to be, will Frank Underwood be uh, the person like, will we actually see the president of the United States kill somebody? Uh, that would be absurd. Maybe, uh, I, you know, if he does die, it should be at the hands of Frank or because of something Frank does. I don't want it to be like Rachel hits him with a rock again. Okay. All right, let's do one last question here today uh, from Brendan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Uh, he says, so remember how mad we all were at the end of season two because they thought they killed our favorite character? Well, I didn't see this a turn of events coming. I thought for sure that Doug Stamper was gone forever. Uh, I really liked the the bait and switch uh, with, the tombst with the tombstone though. Okay. So Brendan Fitzpatrick is uh, saying happy to have Doug back on board. Yeah, I... I um I'm glad he's back. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be on team Doug for this. Uh, I, I thought the, the opening scene, one of the, what I really liked was that that could have been that kind of rural area of Maryland where they were searching for Doug. So you see the, you see the one police motorcycle pull up and I thought maybe that was going to be them hunting for Doug's body and trying to find him. Uh, then it turned out it was in South Carolina. Um, and, and then on the following scene, we open up with the back of Doug's head and it's, it's kind of iconic. You can tell, you can tell it's Doug's head. And I was like, all right, who is this guy who looks like Doug Stamper? Uh, and he's got something, literally he had something up his sleeve. Then we see Doug. Yeah. Um, boy, that looked like that really would have hurt when they ripped that duct tape off uh, with the, oh, God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I could barely watch that scene. That was like, Oh God, that was tough to handle. All right. 
Zach Brooks, we are back in the swing of things. One episode down, 12 to go. Season three, House of Cards. Are you pumped up? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Everything I've seen, you know, from people tweeting about it is that it, it's better than last season, which I'm glad because I wasn't a huge fan of the way last season turned out. I loved it. Yeah, I like season one better. Yeah, I, I liked season two better. The crazier, the better for me. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's got to it's got to be. I don't know, it's got to it's got to work well and you got to really see where it's going. I thought season one, the the way the storyline came together with Pete Russo, uh, who's a Corey Stoll, big star now. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be the worst thing to tell you. You have a uh, a, uh, a Corey Stoll look. Yeah, that would be much He's better a, than Doug Stamper. Corey Stoll's in like every every TV show now, it feels like. All right. So here's what we're going to do from here. All right. Our next podcast will come audio only. Uh, that will be sometime on Sunday. Probably get up by Sunday evening for you guys. That'll be our episode two recap. If you want to get questions into us, uh, email them to houseofcards at postshowrecaps. Put the chapter title in the subject. Or if you don't want to know the chapter title, you want to call it season three, episode two. Uh, that'll work for us as well. Send us your question. And we'll take those during the podcast. All right. Zach Brooks is on Twitter. He's at BrooksZA. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Again, uh, we hope that you guys will be uh, respectful of other people. If you've seen ahead, please try to be spoiler free, both in the YouTube comments and in the comments on post show recaps, uh, because uh, a lot of people are going to be reading and we want to try to, uh, you know, be be uh, sensitive to people that have not seen as much as other people. Yeah, I would definitely appreciate that. We appreciate that. Uh, Zach, do we have a hashtag for season three, episode one? I mean, it's probably the one everybody's using, but bourbon syringe. Bourbon syringe. All right, good. Sounds good. All right. Uh, so thanks so much uh, to Scott St. Pierre, uh, who was behind the scenes on this podcast today. I appreciate all of uh, his hard work uh, in making all of this happen. So we'll be back with episode number two of our House of Cards recap coming up here on Post Show Recaps. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.